I rather believe the unbelievable of God's word and believe a lie. Your humility is to take God's word as it is. When you speak in tongues and you interpret your tongues, this is Young Ecclesia Nation. Tongues and prophecy go hand in hand. These guys the Holy Ghost. They are speaking tongues and they spoke in tongues. I don't care who. If this thing, the Bible says it, I believe it. Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the word of God in ministration by Pastor Odudu Essien. God bless you. Hi guys, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Musings with Mr. Essien, that's me. And um, today I really want to share a few things that um, I was looking at in 1st Timothy chapter 5. And um, I trust God that it's going to birth more of a sense of responsibility and duty in you. And some other things, alright? Bless you. Now let's start. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that as I begin to preach that you let your words just flow through me. You open our minds to proper explanation and interpretation of your word. Let there be no error or mistake. Pull our minds to the truth and let our minds be renewed by your word, washed and made clean. Let our eyes begin to see things in the light of Christ. We just give you the glory. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation available to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Alright, so for today's um, teaching, I'll be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, um, I'm going to be reading from the new NIV. And um, it, normally I don't do the NIV. I usually um, read from the King James or the new King James. But um, there are some times when... Okay, the reason I actually do that, the reason I read from the King James and New King James is because the New King James, the King James is the closest to what we call the original text, um, the original text that the Bible was translated from into English. It's it's closest to them. So that's why if you have um, some Bible software like um, eSword or MySword on Android, you'll, you'll see that when you, um, you, there's usually options for you to check the original Greek words. You see some numbers on top of the words at times, and then you can click it and see what the original um, word for something is. I think if I may give an example, um, let's see. Okay, like Luke 24, verse, um, let's just say, okay, okay, let me, I think I have just thought of a very good example. Um just do a little search here children all right okay all right so matthew chapter 19 verse 14 but jesus said suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven i'm sure this has baffled lots of minds for a very long time i suffer what does suffer mean but then thank god that when you have knowledge you know not all knowledge is spiritual when you have um knowledge and common sense he just tells you okay look let's check what these guys really mean you actually find the king james bible is just king james english in other words when it was translated from the hebrew or the greek or the aramaic into or latin sometimes into the english language the english language back then was king james english or old english and so that's why you have all these words and so if you just check the word suffer the word that they translated as suffer from the Greek actually is the Greek word apfemi. Apfemi, actually. And it's um 
a p h i e m i and it means to allow to live right to you know yield to allow you get what i'm saying so so if you read that thing again you can see that see that but jesus said allow little children you see that not suffer you know there's another passage of scripture that says the kingdom of god suffered violence and the violent take it by force that word just means allows violence well that's another topic of discussion it doesn't mean you not get violence because that passage was actually talking about salvation amen all right let's let's move on okay so first timothy chapter 5 verse um, 1 so okay yeah the reason why i'm using niv this time around is because niv is actually um is actually going to help us make it easier because king james can be so old english style and many times it's annoying to comprehend hard to comprehend sometimes so I, I looked through after I studied the studied the um, King James New King James, then I studied um, the NIV, and I realized the NIV was literally the same thing. Sometimes we don't want to lose the meaning because sometimes these other NIVs and all that, in the attempt to make it easier to understand, they lose, they may water down or lose out on the original meaning of a word. And so I, I went, I looked through both of them, and I realized okay that the NIV actually in this case is really accurate and just easier to look at and understand. And so without um, wanting to crack our brains too much let's just go straight into it okay so it says here verse one do not rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him and the word exhort would be to um i think to encourage let me cross check that that's um first timothy chapter um five yeah so but exhort or another word is entreat yes exhort comfort you know actually it's yes it's closer to um is okay is the word to call near like draw the person near it's more of an encouraging comforting word or you know so it's not it says do not rebuke an older man harshly and remember that he's speaking to timothy here timothy was a pastor and so he's saying in your church you don't rebuke an older man harshly you don't um you know because as a, a a pastor you have the right to correct people you have the right to correct people in, in fact um I think in this same Timothy, see what Paul said to um, um, Timothy. I think he said something about rebuking them sharply. Let me see if I can find that. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. First, okay. It's actually Titus chapter one verse thirteen. It said this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. You see that? So, Paul was actually instructing, this was Titus, you know, and he was re- instructing a, his pastor, Titus, that is the person he mentored, his spiritual son, Titus, that he should rebuke people. So, it is not unscriptural for your pastor to rebuke you. He can actually do, he has a right. When he says you are going of the right direction, going of the wrong path, behaving disorderly, he actually has a right to rebuke you. So, it's not something you should find your pastor. <laughs> So my pastor rebuked me, you know, he has the right to rebuke you, amen. <laughs> he actually does has have the right. And so he says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly. So, in other words, you can still rebuke him, but your rebuke is more of encouragement, comfort, speaking gently, lovingly, kindly to him. Because he's an elder. You see, the Bible actually, just because he has spiritual, doesn't mean you now break common sense traditions. The Bible here is in support of respect. The Bible is in support of respect. And so you should respect your elders, respect your parents, respect the, those older than you. 
it should not be uh, because I'm born again, because I'm going to church, because I know more than my dad or my mom. You know, in the faith, it now means that I have the right to be rude or disobedient to them. Amen? Or, or to disrespect them. It says, but exhort him as if he was your father. You see that? As if he was your father. Now, let me even say this. How much more your own father, your own parents? You're supposed to exhort them. You're supposed to be kind. You know, you're not, you don't rebuke your parents. or You don't shout at them. You, know, you don't do all those things. It's, it's against the tenets of our faith. Amen? It says, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So he's not saying you cannot rebuke them as a pastor, but he's saying that these people treat them as family because the Bible actually says um, that we are family. You know, the Bible actually says that we are family. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 15. It says um, from verse 14, Paul praying, he said, for this cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Are you seeing that? On whom, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So we're one big family. Amen. We're one big family. And so he's saying, you know, your father, you have to take older people as your fathers, as those who are born again, older women as mothers, as a pastor. This is the work of a pastor. But anyway... The thing as a, as a believer is that we are all pastors. Is that some people are called officially into that office. So at the capacity, you should pastor as a parent. You should pastor your children. Pastor your wife. As a mother, you should pastor your children. Um, and also, you should have, you should at least as a Christian, you should have led cells. You should have been able to lead a small fellowship in your home. You know, under the church or, or um, Christian body that you are under. And so every believer should actually have the opportunity to pastor, not just some people. So it is for everybody. I say younger younger women are sisters with absolute purity. So you see, when you spoke about younger women, he said with absolute purity. In other words, the way you deal with younger women or as a pastor with women, you know, there should be purity in your conversations, what you say. You know, chaste, what we call chaste conversations. You understand? Chaste conversations. Because, um, you know, people can get uh, <laughs> really, really funny. Very, 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 very funny when it comes to um, relating with sisters in the church or whatever. You know, you must be very, very careful. Now, it says, verse 3, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. So in the church, there are widows. There will be widows. That's those who have lost their husbands. And um, in this case, it's most likely referring to widows who don't have their husbands as support anymore. The husband, obviously, the man is dead. What I mean is that her major source of support was the man. She, you know, she wasn't probably working in those days. Actually, this can also be a bit cultural, because in those days, I think the man had a lot to do with working. It was not like women did not work and do things, but the man, it, you know, historically, the man is always one who has borne more of the burden. And even in Christ, it's scriptural that a man should actually um, bear responsibility for his family. You know, he should bear responsibility for his family, and so yes, the man should work hard even if your wife is a billionaire you should actually work hard to try to support the family amen so so it says here verse 3 it says give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need and if you go to, into the book of acts you know acts you see where um the bible actually says that the widows at that time um were being um, left out in the sharing of food you know that was in the book of acts um chapter 
think yeah six you know at six verse one and in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration now one thing you will notice about um <laughs> you know the epistles you know if you just read the book of acts alone right and you don't have the epistles you'll be able to see the transition of the church how the early church functioned but there are many things you would not understand but then if you read both of them you will now say okay this is what happened. The book of Acts is a historical book. Just like the four gospel is historical. So there are not many explanations. They just write that this is what happened there. And they don't really explain. For example, Ananias and Sapphira, if you look at it, they don't, they don't really explain what happened there. There are many instances they don't really explain what happened there. If you just look at Acts chapter 2, you will not even understand that what happened, for example, in the upper room when the disciples were... Um, when people heard them in their language you won't even know that that was interpretation of tongues and some people have heard because of that they just took it like that they didn't know that what the other jews around them on the day of pentecost heard was the interpretation of tongues which is actually prophecy and so the air in the sense that they they made a mistake and thought oh some people even thought that tongues you have to hear your tongues before it is tongues you see but when you go into first corinthians chapter 14 down one two three four you actually see that tongues you know that is interpreted is equal to prophecy you now say oh this is now what happened in the book of acts so the book of acts is a historical book but the epistles are the explanation of the book of acts of the reality of being christian the reality of salvation so you know you, you must just be aware of that fact you, the book of acts is not actually a strong doctrinal material whatever is in the book of acts if you want to pull out a doctrine from there it must be supported strongly by the epistles but the letters of paul peter john james and you know the book of hebrews it has to be supported very strongly in there amen so it says verse 4 but if a widow has children or grandchildren these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to god wow did you see that he's saying here that if a widow has children, grandchildren, they should learn, you know, to repay their parents. You know, it's all, I once saw a post somewhere where someone was trying to say that um, um, child, children should not, um, um, that parents, parents' pension plan should not be their children. And that, that's totally absurd, really. That's totally absurd. Look at the scripture. What is he saying? He's saying that, look, your parents, <laughs> it's not a small thing to bring a child into the world. They bring a ch- you into the world and um they take care of you they feed you they clothe you you know one thing is that when you when a child comes into the world into you know one thing that actually dies is selfishness i have spoken with many couples or let me say several who they told me the same thing they say once my child came in i have not i can't remember the last time i bought anything for myself because automatically selfishness is averted it now becomes about that child everything every little dime goes into that child pampers feeding different things and the child is usually very ungrateful brat and it's just whining waking them up at two or three in the morning sometimes they don't sleep all night because of this child one small rash one small fever one small thing they are out and all that buying drugs doctors different things um you know once i i, I remember um recently in fact about last week as to this recording um a student of mine um one of my young disciples um at the place i used to work said told me he said his younger brother's ear was not um 
wasn't that he wasn't hearing. He little boy is just one year old, but the boy is not hearing and you know wasn't hearing. The mother went to hospitals, different places of prayer and all that, just because of that little boy. You know, when they say, "I leave him now," Mm-mm. she went and they told her that the hearing aid would have been was going to be up to six, um, six hundred thousand naira. And I mean that's crazy, but she was willing to scrounge and get that money to buy those hearing aids. So she brought the child, you know, for me to pray and I thank God so much that the boy now hears very clearly. I pray for the boy and God healed him. You see, so <laughs> the point is that she was willing to go length and breadth for that one-year-old child, one-year-old child, and and deprive herself of things, even borrow money that she would be indebted to to pay over a period of time. And so that tells you that there's a whole lot of responsibility your parents and sacrifice that your parents have undertaken over time. And so it's only common sense that as they are getting old, getting older, where they cannot walk, they've exhausted all their strength training you, growing you, sending you to the best schools that they could afford. You know, sometimes going abroad, you know, spending hundreds of millions of naira just on you. So what is saying here that look that their that their retirement plan should be you you should be their retirement plan so you should have it in mind that look i will actually repay my parents for the things that they have actually sacrificed for i'll repay them when i begin to work and all that i must be sending something home you know jesus actually spoke about this same thing you know he was really angry with the pharisees in fact because he told he said um um, that's Mark chapter 7 verse 11. It says, um, 7 verse um, 10. Um, okay, verse 9. And he said to them, full, full well, you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever causes father or mother, let him die, die the death. But you say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, um, Okay, Coban actually stood for you know his temple treasury, or he said so. He said that is to say, to um to his father, it is Coban. That's it. as a gift by whosoever. No, so okay. Let me just summarize this because this is King James. I'm looking, King James. I'm looking at. You know, he now says verse twelve, and you allow him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which you have delivered and many such like things you do. So he was saying, look, God says, honor your father and mother. Now, the Pharisees were saying that if you have money, that is supposed to be honor your father and mother, you say that it's Coban, meaning that it belongs to God. You just say it's Coban, that you can now take it and put it in the temple treasury. Obviously, to, it, it means it is going to go to them that uh, you, are, you are okay, you are in a clear. And God never commanded such a thing. They just, they commanded it. It wasn't God that commanded it. And so Jesus actually rebuked them for, 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 for preaching this honor. You know, preaching this honor concerning their own parents. You understand? So, you know, this 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 should tell you that God really, really, really is um he supports you taking care of your parents when they are old. So you should factor it in your plans as you're growing. You should have plans for your folks, what you'll do for them, you know, um future projects and things like that. You should have plans. And this is good and well-pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Now, let me say this. Regardless of whether your parents are monsters or not, whether you think they are devils or not, you should have. This is honor to your parents. You know, the Bible actually clearly says, um, um, honor your father and your mother. It says in in the Old Testament, you know, and then it now says, of course, we see in Mark 15, 
that's for God commanded saying honor your father and your mother so Jesus actually um, commanded we see in Mark Matthew okay 15 verse 6 um, Matthew 19 verse 19 Mark 7 verse 10 which we read you see it in Mark 10 verse 19 Luke 18 20 so now if we now go into the epistles we'll see there again Ephesians 6 verse 2 honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with the promise so you see it's really important to God it's something I can find in the Old Testament find in the New it has crossed over you cannot say uh, we're in the New Covenant so you don't honor you must honor regardless of who, what they did to you regardless of what, whatever whether they deserve it or not you should honor them Amen Amen so <laughs> it says here it says verse 5 the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. So you're seeing that um, it's saying here that she continues to pray. She continues to pray. So it's, a widow's is still supposed to be active in the work of ministry. It's not something that ends. Prayer is a ministry on its own. She's supposed to continue in the work of ministry. It's not something that should end. He says, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Obviously, in this context, the widow who lives for pleasure is the one who does not continue in the work of ministry, does not continue her devotion to God. She lives for pleasure. She lives for earthly, worldly pleasures. You understand? She abandons what she believes. You understand? She abandons all those things. She's not coming for prayer meetings, hardly appearing at church meetings and all those things. She's not given to prayer. She's just given straight to um, being funny and, and living in, you know, in pleasure. So it says here, verse 6, um, verse 7, give the people these instructions. So it now says, it says, verse 7, give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith, actually, their family in the King James, and especially for their own household, has de- denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. So it's saying here that, look, you have to be responsible. So it means that if you have that your um, love and, you know, in Christ actually extends to relatives and family members. But then um, Paul here is actually talking um, explicitly to the church, talking about those within the church. And um, he said, has you know, he has, so he's saying anyone who does not provide, so in other words, you ought to provide for your relatives. I mean, those who do not have. Of course, generally, we know that the Bible actually says that you should be good to them, um, good to others, especially those of the household of faith. Let me see if I can find um, household faith. Um, so um, that would be Galatians 6 verse 10. And he said, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So there's an emphasis on believers, that believers are actually first in line when it comes to benevolence that we are giving. And so here he's just talking about widows. All right. Now it says, verse 9, no widow may be put in the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband. Wow, you see that he's still... Um, uses character when it, it it comes to benevolence. So in other words, it means that when you are dealing with um, benevolence in church, because this should not just be, it would be unfair if this just applies to widows, 
and it does not apply to other believers you know even if they're poor or whatever so he's saying here that you know benevolence here actually has to apply to character in other words the way we 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 you qualify for benevolence in the body of Christ is by character. It's one of them by character, by faithfulness. You have to have a track record of faithfulness and character. You don't just give to anybody. These are just measures, like you know, because we have a code of conduct in Christianity, and that is Christ likeness, which is our nature. And so, people who um, refuse to walk according to that, they are usually there's usually um, sanctions in the body of Christ because we cannot encourage such um, behavior you cannot encourage such behavior now so it says don't put her in list of widows unless she's over 60 has been faithful to her husband you see that not a promiscuous woman who sleeps around and is well known for her good deeds such as bringing up children showing hospitality you see being kind to others this is just character they're talking about bringing up children that's responsibility character washing the feet of the lord's people not talking about literally washing feet but just saying serving that she must have been in the service to the Lord's people. That means they know you in church. God forbid, no one here will be a widow, but they, they know them in church. You see, they are active. They are, you know, he says, helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. In other words, her works will speak for her. Her character, her behavior, and the good things that she has done will speak for her. He now says, as for younger widows, do not put them on the list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. So you see this, um, you know, Paul actually made an argument that he would actually, that people remain as they are. Um, for sake of time, we're not going to go into that, but the way that they are, in other words, that if people are single, they should remain single, they are married, they should remain married, you know, whichever states, okay, when they are born again, they should not seek to be separated from that. And then he also made another um, um, case when, you know, he's talking about the fact that I wish you would all be as I am, which is single. He actually um, um, advocated for um, singleness, and he gave the reason um, that that it would be because it would be because of um, it would actually be because of dedication to Jesus, because he said he said the the man who marries or woman who marries would actually devote their life to to um, to cater to the desires of their husband or wife or or responsibility and so the things of 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 god will actually suffer a little or suffer a whole lot because married life can be very demanding children will come and all those things and you have less time to fulfill you know the gospel he was saying i wish you would be as i am but then he did not give a rule to it to it so when he's talking about the widow here he's actually kind of referring to some of those things you know um unless she's over 60 faithful to her husband all those things it says he says, don't put them on such a list because when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they, they want to marry. So, you see, younger widows, the point that they are still young, still fresh, still, um, uh, he calls it sensual desires. You get, they are still looking for love, still looking for all those things. And, you know, the point is that sometimes they will not be able to be dedicated to God's work. Anyway, I will not comment so much on this. Probably in Latin, I'll do a teaching or study on it. He says, verse 12, they, does they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. You know, and of course, if you compare it to what he just said about the widows and what they have done, you know, the these widows, that the character parts, you know, breaking their first pledge will have to do with dedication to Christ. So, in uh, verse 13, it says, Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about 
from house to house and not only do they become idle but busybodies who talk nonsense saying things they ought not to so i counsel younger widows to marry to have children to manage their homes and to give the enemy no opportunity for, for slander now notice he says to manage their homes some people don't agree with this but the widow actually or the woman actually is the one in the home who actually when it comes to the home the house she is the one in charge she should be able to determine what kind of curtains are there and all that. You, as a man, your work is to input; is not to rule, rule like that. You know what I mean? But how the house will be, the home and all that—that's the woman's haven, is her domain. So, I know some some people will not like me for saying this, but it is well, it's scripture. So, verse fifteen says, "Some have in fact already turned away to follow Satan." Now, sixteen: If any woman actually the king james doesn't say woman it says if any man or woman who is a believer has widows in his or care her care he should, should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need now this verse 16 is a follow-up of um verse 8 anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever so in other words verse 16 is actually saying that look if you have a widow you know there's church there's when the church helps widows or helps people when you have needs and all that you go to them for help but he's saying look among yourselves within yourselves if you can actually handle the situation if you can help her out as her family or relatives first if you can do that beautiful then do that before you now bring the person to the church or let the person come to church and burden the church because the church already has a lot of issues in fact the average church has a lot of benevolence issues if you know what i'm talking about there's always need needs are so many okay so um that really um is a talk on responsibility um this is just part a you see we're just we're just in verse um um verse <laughs> verse 16 but um first image of the five actually goes all the way down to verse 25 and so um i will continue this in another segment i hope you've been blessed and you've had had a refresher um on responsibility the responsibilities of a believer in a certain sense god bless you as you've listened and let it stay in your memory all right till we see you again bye bye